If you missed the introduction, um, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Halifax. Really good to see all of you here this morning. Let me invite you to turn to the back middle portion of the worship guide where you'll see the scripture passage that we're going to be looking at more closely this morning. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to it as well. It's Luke chapter 8 verses 4 through 15. As a church, really starting last year, we've slowly been working through the gospel according to Luke. And let me just explain to you a little bit about what it is that we're looking at. Um, Luke's gospel is a first century written account that uses eyewitness testimony and other written sources to describe in detail the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke explicitly tells us why he wrote his gospel, why we have this in our hands. He writes it in chapter 1, he says, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught about Jesus. Luke wants to build your faith. He wants you to trust the testimonies that you've received about who Jesus is. This is primarily focused on first century Christians, but listen, it's also for us. For us who wonder, who have doubts, who have questions about who Jesus is, why he came, and what that has to do with us, Luke writes. He wants you to trust that the story of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, is not just a historically reliable reality, though of course it is that, but Jesus is someone who you can build your whole life on. He is worth following, not only because he is true, but because what he said is true, but because of who he is, what he offers to us. Life now and forever is possible for those who build their lives on him. Uh, where we are in Luke's gospel, we're in chapter 8, and this is still kind of the early days of Jesus' public ministry. He's preaching primarily in northern Israel, which is the province known as Galilee. And as the text shows us in verse 4, he's actually beginning to, to, to amass a fairly large crowd of followers, of listeners around him. So it's not like you know, preaching quietly to you know, a small little synagogue here and there, but there's massive crowds beginning to follow Jesus. In verse 4 it says it, it's a great crowd, it's a massive group of people who are listening to him. And if we had such a group here this morning, I think we'd be pretty excited, right? Like just, you know, packed to the back, standing room only on the aisles. Uh, we'd be thrilled. We'd say, this is the best thing ever. What a great Sunday. We've done it. But Jesus, oddly, in the face of what looks like overwhelming success, a real victory for the kingdom of God, he stops and he gives this somewhat startling parable, a really sobering story. He's about to give a, a parable of caution to his, his great crowd of listeners where he warns them. He says to them, be careful how you're listening. Let's read the text together. This is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, 
Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for that which fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again. Father, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what you're speaking to us today in your word. We ask for your help, for your spirit. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen. A parable, what Jesus describes this story, describes it as a parable. It's, it's a story, it's a teaching that sets one thing up beside another. Uh, it compares two things by holding them side to side, and this is done in an effort to make a deeper point, to reveal a deep truth, to arrive at a particular conclusion that the comparison of the two things helps to point out. And so Jesus, he begins Luke 8 and verses 4 through 8 using uh, an easily understood, a very common story about a sower who goes out to sow seeds. But he does so, of course, to compare, to reveal, to explain something deeper about another thing. And that's why at the end of verse 8, Jesus stops and he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This phrase of Jesus is one of his favorites. He uses this expression often when he pauses and he wants people to really pay attention to what he's about to say. See, Jesus isn't just telling the story to, to increase their understanding of agricultural theory. He's not giving a gardening 101 class He's not just describing seed and four different types of soil. There's something else at work here. And so Jesus, he asks this huge crowd that's hanging on his every word. He asks, are you listening to this? Are you really listening? Because Jesus is about to reveal through uh, this comparison four different ways that people are listening to him and receiving his words. The seed in this parable, if you look down at verse 11, it represents something. It represents the powerful, potent, life-giving word of God. And Jesus teaches us that through this parable, he teaches through this parable that, that something real, something consequential, something weighty and serious is occurring whenever God's word goes out and people hear it. Whether God's word is read or it's listened to, it's, it's being scattered like seed. And this is what's happening. This parable is happening. Whenever God speaks through his word, whether this is in Galilee 2,000 years ago as Jesus spoke, or today, right now, as we read Luke 8 and I preach this word to you, the realities that Jesus is speaking of in this parable are happening in this room. Every listener of God's word will hear and receive his word as one of four different kinds of soil described here. If you're just visiting here for the first time, you might be surprised to hear that you're in the text this morning right? This is about you. It's not whether you'll be one of these types of soil, it's just which one. This is inescapable. Now, while this, the story actually sounds simple enough, everyone can kind of connect the dots, understand what Jesus is saying in this story. Jesus insists twice <laughs> that not everyone's really going to hear what he's saying. In verses 9 through 10, uh, after he says those 
uh, with ears, let him hear. He says to his disciples, to his, to his close group of 12 followers, that they've been given understanding into the secret or the mystery of, of kingdom parables like this. That they, they, they get it. But many people, he says, almost, almost woefully, they will see, but they won't really see. They will hear, but they won't understand. And what Jesus is saying is that people with fully functioning ears and eyes, smart people with advanced degrees, thoughtful people who understand lots and lots of stuff, and even really religious people who are very familiar with the Bible, who have read it back to front several times, they may see and hear this parable. They might know all about seeds and soil and preach a message better than I'm about to give, but at the deepest level of knowing, believing, trusting, they just won't get it. They see, but don't see. They hear, but they can't understand. And honestly, this has felt like a really heavy sermon to write as I've thought about it this week. Because I know that right now in this room, as I'm speaking, some of you will see what Jesus says, but you won't see it. Some of you will hear what I'm saying, but you will not understand it. It will not penetrate deep enough. And so with Jesus, friends, listen, this, this is what I'm asking. I'm pleading with you. Are you really listening? Are you really listening? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying to us as listeners this, be careful how you listen. Be very careful. Again, this is a parable of caution. It's a parable of warning. And so the outline for our sermon this morning will kind of reflect that note of caution. And this is our outline. Be careful how you listen. Because God's life-giving word may be taken away, withered, choked out or be fruit-bearing and lasting depending on how it's received i'll say that again it's pretty long (laughs) be careful how you listen because god's life-giving word may be taken away withered choked out or be fruit-bearing and lasting depending on how it's received let's look at these each in turn so the first point is this be careful how you listen because god's life-giving word may be taken away from you In verse 11, if you look at it, Jesus says the seed from the story is the word of God. Uh, This is the comparison that's being made here. God's word, again, spoken through Jesus here, through his apostles and his prophets, uh, or even today when this this word is being preached, or when when you sit down with your Bible and you read what's been written and recorded in the 66 books of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the whole Bible is described and received by God's people collectively as the word of God. When Scripture speaks, God speaks. The Word of God, whenever it's read or preached, like it's happening right now or in churches across the world, when it goes out, it goes out like life-giving seed. God's Word isn't simply um, black ink on a page. It's powerful. It's life-giving. It's potent. Hebrews chapter 4 says the Word of God is living and active. I once heard a pastor say that if if we had an ECG or like a heart rate monitor and we attached it to the Bible, it wouldn't be like a flat line on the screen. There'd be tons of activity because this is a living and active word. It'd be bouncing all over the place. But not everyone who hears God's word receives the life that's contained in it. For many people, they, they hear me preaching, they read the words on the page, and it is not living. It's cold, it's dead, it's inactive. It does nothing for them. In in biblical language, if you look at verse 12, it's not believed in and and people are not saved by it. They don't get life from it. Why is that? 
If God's word is so powerful, so life-giving, what happens? What prevents God's living word from giving life to people? Well, this is the purpose of the parable here. This is what Jesus tells us. See, there's a first group, and they're not changed by God's word because it's not actually received at all. God's life-giving word is heard, but then it's immediately taken away from them just as soon as it came. And he likens this, uh, if you look at verse, um, verse 12, uh, he likens it to seed that falls on the path. Now, now the path within a gardening context in the, in the first century, it would have been this hardened, concrete-like walkway that farmers walked on back and forth, back and forth throughout the day. Uh, they, you know, they didn't intend to, to grow crops on it. This is just the way that they came to and from the fields. Uh, the soil on the path, of course, at some point was very fertile, but now it's rock hard. It's unable to receive the seed. And seed that fell on the path as the farmer would scatter the seed, it would just lie where it landed. It would be exposed, it was unhidden, and the birds would just kind of come down and, get, and pick them off. And people like this are, are people who hear God's word with indifference. Like Jesus speaks to them, and it's really just in one ear, out the other. It doesn't penetrate them at all. Uh, maybe at one point it did, but, but after years, they become hardened to it. There's nothing soft about them, and this may be because of cynicism, Right? They hear, they hear me preaching, they read the words on the page, and they think this is just ridiculous. This is antiquated first century nonsense. I used to believe this stuff, but now I know it's just for children. It's for the weak-minded. Perhaps they're hardened because of pride. They say, ah, this is just, you know, like Luke or Paul's or Jesus' opinion, right? The Bible's an old book, and you can't just believe what it says because times have changed. We need to change with it. This isn't God's living word. It's just an ancient dead word. Again, they won't receive the word and be changed by it. And because they don't receive the word, the word doesn't have any opportunity to penetrate into their hearts and to give them life. Their hard hearts keep this powerful, potent seed just on the surface where it gets taken away from them. Listen, it's not because you're too smart, too sophisticated, too well-read, and too thoughtful to receive the word. It's that you're too hard-hearted to hear and believe with faith. Listen, Jesus says hearing his word with indifference, with cynicism, with pride, uh, being unwilling to receive his word with trust and humility is downright demonic, right? When, when you ignore or you brush aside what God is speaking to you uh, with a dismissive, arrogant, inattentive attitude, Jesus says the devil's at work in your life. He's removing the very word that can give you life. And listen, this is, this is why this is heavy for me to say, because I know this is happening every Sunday as I preach the word to you. I know that, that some people will hear God's word coming to them, and they'll receive it with indifference. So, so listen, please listen. Listen so you can have life, because this is what Jesus tells us. Be careful how you listen, because God's life-giving word may first be taken away from you, but more, it could be withered. It may be withered. This is the second type of soil that Jesus says, it isn't hard like the path is, but appears on the surface to actually be quite receptive to the word. This is rocky soil, which means it's, it's rock, it's bedrock, but it has this top layer of soil, a very thin layer of topsoil on it. And in the ancient world, as in the modern world, the sun would heat the rock and the top layer of soil, it would be warmed, it would be a fertile place for the, uh, for the seed to land. And so when the seed fell on this, it would actually spring up the quickest. It would show the quickest growth. 
uh, it would be faster than any other seed popping up. And, and people would say, oh, you know, look at all this fantastic growth. It's going to be the best one in the whole garden. But of course, because the rock was just under the surface, these early shoots don't have any roots. And so as the sun continues to beat down on the rock, uh, the, the earth grows dry and the, and the early shoots dry away. They wither away. And this is what Jesus says. This is a picture of people. Verse 13. Look at it there. They hear the word and receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, that means a time of difficulty, a time of a persecution or particular temptation, they wither away. And, and this is particularly heartbreaking, right? Because these are people who show all the signs of being believers of Christ, of joyful receivers of God's word. They pray the prayers in the church. They have tears. They have passion. Uh, they, they, they make promises to follow Christ. They seem to be the most promising people in the church. They, 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 they talk the talk. They sound incredible. They sound like fast-growing disciples. But, but when time passes and challenges come, their faith dries up and they're gone. Um, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, of course, but it's, it's just part of my story. But I, I cut my teeth in a youth ministry that seemed to specialize in producing this kind of quick but shallow surface-level response to God's Word. We kind of specialized in it, right? And, and sadly, there's still a lot of churches and ministries that, that use this playbook. That They apply a lot of heat to people. Lots of emotion, lots of excitement, lots of sizzle. Uh, they work people up. They want to see rapid, quick, explosive growth. And, and they have thrilling stories to share of hundreds, maybe thousands of people whose lives have been radically changed. People who have said the sinner's prayer and become Christians and they've been baptized. But in a month, six months, a year, five years, where are these people? The people who responded at one time so forcefully, so passionately, so emotionally to God's word, they're gone. They're on to the next thing. See, the passion, the excitement has died down. And because their faith was only an inch deep, didn't have any roots, they're out of the church and they're away from Jesus. No, no, I'll just pause to say I want our church to be filled with joy and passion and excitement. I want to have stories of people being radically changed to, to pray prayers of faith and to be baptized, but, but for it to not be a tragedy in our church, we must also pray at the exact same time for deep, nourishing roots and not just sizzle and quick growth. So friends, this is what Jesus says, be careful how you listen because God's life-giving word may wither away. If you're just looking from church for a quick fix, a fun, exciting, light and surfacey faith, this kind of faith withers away into nothing. Such faith cannot sustain you in the storms of life, in seasons of intense dryness, for the sunless dark night of the soul. When troubles come, such people, they go, because all they have is a shallow, rootless faith. So be careful again how you listen. Be very careful how you are listening, how you are receiving God's life-giving word because it, it may be taken away from you. It may wither. And third, it may be choked out. The life-giving seed, it lands on the path, on the rocky soil, but it also lands on what seems at first glance to actually be very good soil, except for this. It's shared soil. Right? The, the soil is in occupied territory. It's also hosting deep-rooted thorns. So when the life-giving seed comes to this soil, it does begin to, to take root and to grow, but in time, as time goes on, 
it gets choked out. The thorns, they take up all the sun, all the moisture, all the real estate that the seed needs to grow to mature. And verse 14, you can see it there, their fruit does not mature. And Jesus says that some people, they hear the word, they receive it, but they are just completely preoccupied with other things. Other things that are more important. In verse 14, Jesus says what these preoccupations are. Look at it. It says they're the cares or the anxieties or the worries of this world, riches and the pleasures of life. See, people come to church and they receive the word, but the word often gets crowded up by other things. Sunday is just, just one part of their life. It doesn't bleed into all areas of life. And so other things, their career, uh, job opportunities, trying to accumulate wealth, trying to take the best opportunities for advancement, romantic relationships, reputation building, relaxation, leisure. These things begin to crowd in on the word. These people may not be living in like open and obvious sin, but they're not watchful over how even very good things in their life, work and wealth, uh, family, uh, are becoming everything to them. They become the whole focus and attention of their lives. All their hopes and all of their dreams are fully focused on the here and now, not the life to come. They are busy building their own kingdoms and have no part in the kingdom of God. They have no time for it. Their life isn't given to God's mission, as we spoke of last week, of bringing the whole gospel to the whole world because their mission, their energy, their focus is just in getting what they can here and now, building their best life now. The Puritan John Owen, he, he warned against the thorns in our lives, and he gave this advice. He said this, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Owen warns, Deal today, right now, and severely with whatever sin or entanglements are in your life. Whatever is keeping the word of God from maturing and growing in you, if you are convicted even right now by certain distractions and detractions from loving, trusting, enjoying, and obeying God's word, repent of it right now. Trust in Christ and be changed now, not tomorrow. Not in a week. Not in a year when you've got more time. Now. When you, when you willingly knowingly give space in your heart for the thorns of worry, riches, deceitful pleasures, and you try to, at the exact same time, grow the life-giving seed of the word of God, the thorns will choke out the seed every time. Sin and distractions in your faith, they are not to be trifled with, not to be played with any more than a poisonous snake is to be played with. Owen says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. The thorns in your life, they have to be pulled out. They must be. They must be rooted out before they choke out your faith. And so Jesus, again, he warns this great crowd. This seems like a very odd thing to say to a bunch of people who, who seem eager to follow him. He, he pumps the brake and he says, listen, be very careful how you're listening. Because God's word that you're listening to right now, it may be taken away. It may be withered. It may be choked out. But fourth and finally, it may be fruit bearing. It may mature and be lasting, depending on how it's received. If you look down at verse, four, verse 15, uh, this final plot of soil, this fourth and final soil, it receives the seed, just like the other soils did, but this holds on to it, and, and it bears fruit with patience. Unlike the first three soils, 
this ground alone produces rooted, lasting fruit. Uh, the language of bearing fruit is actually like a, a favorite image throughout the Bible to describe uh, the mature Christian life, Christian maturity and faith. A life that produces Christ-like faith and obedience, not just for a moment, but for a, li- a lifetime. Th- this is a bountiful life, an overflowing life that's filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It's been called the fruit of the Spirit. It's a kind of faith that can actually stand in times of severe testing, in the face of various trials and temptations, in dry seasons, and by grace to still stand. And this is the kind of careful listening that Jesus wants from his people. This is what the Word of God is meant to achieve in their lights, in their life. Uh, this is the end game of receiving the Word of God properly. Again, not about quick, explosive, and immature growth, but deep, lasting, until the very end growth. If you look at the end of verse 15, this is an important part to see. This may take a while, right? Uh, this fruit bearing is achieved only with patience. <laughs> uh, if there's any people who garden or do anything like this, you know that you plant seed in one season, but you don't get the fruit until another, right? The seed goes in the ground in one season, but the rooted fruit doesn't come till much later, and it's no different here. We are called to plant, water, and weed faithfully, to to use the means that God has given to this church, worship on the Lord's Day, reading the scriptures, communing with God in prayer, and then to wait, to let the powerful, life-giving Word of God do its work in our hearts. As we hold on to God's Word, as we believe it, as we build our whole lives on it, mature and lasting fruit, this is what this parable says, it will come with patience. Uh, Martin Luther, he loved to point out that the life-giving power is all in the Word. It's not in the soil, right? The power to bear fruit, it actually comes from God, not from us. What this parable actually really points us to is not what we do, to make the seed fruitful, it's about what we must not do, right? Luther wants us to get out of the way of God's word. The the fourth and final soil is good soil because it doesn't interfere with with what the seed is made to do. It simply receives it, holds it fast, and believes it. John Calvin, he, he agrees, and he writes this, The word of God in its own nature is always bright, but its bright light is choked by the darkness of men. See, Jesus looked out onto the crowd, the great crowd, this massive crowd that was hanging on every word that he was speaking, and he begged them, listen carefully, listen humbly, receive and hold fast to God's word. Love, enjoy, trust, and obey every word that God is speaking to you now, and don't get in the way of what God's life-giving word has been set out to do. Let's end with this. We began by saying that this is a parable of caution. This is a word of warning. Not every sermon is, is like this. Not every word that Jesus speaks is exactly like this. So, and so we need to hear it right now. Jesus in his kindness warning people who would come to him and listen to his words. Simply hearing and believing to a degree is not actually really listening. The kind of hearing that Jesus pleads for us to have is one that hears and believes every word without distrust, without reservation, and without distraction. How is this done? How is this done for doubtful, 
cynical, hard-hearted folks like us? How can we humbly receive and believe every word that comes from the mouth of God? If we're listening carefully, we'll know that this, like all things in the Christian life, can only be done by faith. It's not something we grit our teeth and we, and we grind into in a mysterious way. Hearing rightly is itself a gift that we receive by faith in Jesus. We'll end with, with John 15. This is, this is a, another parable, another gardening parable that, that Jesus gives. And here he zones in on how we're to live the fruitful life. Listen to it carefully. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. Trust me, hold on to me, receive me. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit and listen for apart from me you can do nothing now may you have ears to hear what god is speaking to you right now in his word May your hardened, cynical, doubtful heart be tilled, be softened by God's Spirit. May God give you depth and roots to hold fast to his word in every storm and drought and season of darkness. May you kill your sin. May you know the thorns that are in your heart and root them out with God's power and the help of the church. And may you humbly receive God's word, which is life-giving and powerful and bear fruit that lasts let's pray father we ask that you'd help us to hear this word of warning to us who hear your word sometimes on a on a daily basis not only on the lord's day but as we listen to sermons or or read christian books or or blogs as we read the bible on our own and pray we ask for soft hearts that receive and welcome your word as it's given. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy. Help us to hear the good news that you speak to us now. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.